YT is a high-vibe cannabis entertainment company for women who also love weed. This is a thoughtful and blunt exploration of pot and its magic, the role it has in the lives and processes of cool and creative people everywhere, and an evolving cannabis culture we're seeing happen before our very eyes. We're elevating perceptions with every episode. Listen up as we go in. Welcome back, my cannabishes, to the next episode of your favorite podcast. I'm your host, Jen Newton, otherwise known as Newts, and this is High Tea Life. So yesterday was International Women's Day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't get me started on the idea of a day. I did the math, and it's 0.2%, one out of 365, so that's something. If you've been here before, you know this place and platform is a celebration of the female flower and its many healing forms. And it doesn't take a particular day or month for us to celebrate our sisters and the work that's happening. But this month, I do want to take a moment to shine a light on weed as an empowerment tool for women in a time where we continue to fight for power, equity, and our proper place in the world. And I want to start with the grass ceiling. So as we know, cannabis, this flower we know and love healing the world is female. And we learned from a grower friend that when it comes to cultivating the plant, they refer to it as elevating the female, actually changing the conditions of the growing environment to allow the plant thrive. That insight struck me. It was a lesson I thought the cannabis industry and the world needed to take more to heart as we healed this place. And it's true, we've had, a, we've had a long historic connection with this plant. We were the growers, the healers, the bakers, the makers, the ones who were using it. And even today, the numbers are showing that women are disproportionately pulled to this plant, at least on a consistent basis. There was a recent study out of California saying that, that the majority of consistent cannabis users are female. And a study out of California said that Of these pot-loving women, 60% of them were saying they were consuming on the daily. Another study by Ease had women at 48% of new customers in 2020, and that number was at 38% in 2018. So what does this mean? It means that women in this space, as well as so many others, are the majority consumers and purchasers, and we've got real tangible buying power and household decision-making power. In the early days of legalization, cannabis was forecasted as a category where women would keep step with men in in holding CEO roles and positions. That hasn't quite happened. Today, 37% of C-suite positions are female, which is substantially more than other categories, but only 8% of those are women CEOs meaning that women are flocking disproportionately to other roles in the C-suite. You see HR, legal counsel, etc., and less so leading the charge, leading the vision, and leading the way. So today we're talking to a woman who has built a future-forward company within Canada's Sea of Same. She's challenging the industry and the ideas of what it looks like and rethinking the way people want to consume things. This is really a story of somebody who never quite found her natural place in the rest of the world, but trusted her gut enough to know that that meant she was meant to build her own place. Listen up to the next installment in our Creator series, 
as I speak with Superette founder and CEO, Mimi Lam. This is High Tea Life. Welcome to one of our favorites, and I know one of yours, Mimi Lamb from Supret. Hi, thank Hi. you for having me. I'm so excited. I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you. This has been a long time dream guest. It's been way too long. How, how did it take so long? It's I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, I take a few months off here and there, but that's okay. I'm so glad to see you. I honestly haven't seen you in real life. I don't remember how long it's been, but I think it was around a campfire with a joint appropriate. (laughs) Of course. Right. But I feel sort of immersed in you right now because I read the Gossamer article on you last night and I've been reading about you the last few days. And it's just such an honor to have you here talking with us today. You're kicking off a month of conversations around empowered females creating in this space. And we're thrilled to have you here today. So thank you. Well, I hopefully can have something interesting to share. And if nothing else happens, we're here to have a bit of fun. Yeah, no doubt. I just picked up the caramel garlic breath. Caramel, yes. Caramel cannabis garlic breath. So I'm excited (laughs) to try that. It's a great strain. Carmel is definitely one of my favorite producers. They're OG and especially something like garlic breath is just like such a different, it's like a savory strain and something that's a little different than what I usually have in my stash. Yeah. It's I'm glad special. you have it. Yeah. I love a Mendo breath genetic, right? Oh yeah. So I want to know a little bit about your cannabis origin story, how pot played a role in helping you come into the Mimi we know today. Ooh, that's a long story, (laughs) but I mean, weed has been part of my life for, for quite a while now, not to say that I'm really that old, but it's been a few years for sure. And I remember even having my first joint in university, which I was, I was still quite a late bloomer relative to my friends at the time. And I think I was just, I was smoking because everyone else was, I didn't really know anything. I didn't know what I was smoking. And I just thought it was like fun. It was great to get sometimes out of my headspace and other times into my own headspace. And it was, it was like something to do at that time. And then, you know, there was a part of my life after university that weed wasn't really that didn't have much of a place in it. I was in a very corporate job. I actually did still have a lot of stigma personally myself against what it meant to be consuming weed, you know, while I was in such a corporate lifestyle. And so I put that on pause for a few years. And then what happened was essentially I was really stressed out at work, wasn't sleeping. And my partner, then boyfriend, now fiance, he basically was like, you know, you need to sleep. So either, you know, get some medication or maybe try some weed. That's when I started reintroducing uh, cannabis into my life, but with a different perspective and, and one that was more on wellness and how to make my own life better. And that's when I like dove like really deep in. It was the first time I was really opening my eyes to the power of the plant and really how much good it can bring to someone and into this world. You know, that type of timing was also kind of leading up to Canada being a leader in federal legalization. And I just found my calling. I was like, you know, screw this corporate life. There's so much space to do something that I love. 
and I jump into weed professionally. And so now it basically is part of like my world, personal, professional, everything. You had a very corporate background. I recall correctly, it was like investment banking or something crazy. So when did the big idea for Superette hit? I mean, you say you just kind of knew you found your calling. And I totally believe that the plant almost has a vibration that calls us, the ones who want it or the ones who need it, I should say. When did the aha come for you that as a young woman, you can go and build something fucking amazing in this space that is unlike anything else out there? I feel like the idea of creating and starting something has been with me for a long time, even before Superette. There was a gap between, you know, investment banking life and Superette, which is my time at Tokyo Smoke, which for me at that time was a bit of a training ground to kind of immerse myself in getting up to speed with where the industry is going from like a regulatory standpoint, what all the other companies were doing. And basically it was a white space where we can all kind of create our own destiny in such a, um, a, a tremendous industry with so much history behind it. You know, the thinking behind Superette was, it seemed like all these companies and corporates were um, focused a lot on creating, you know, that safe, um, you know, almost clinical space. And, you know, Drum, my co-founder, uh, and I wanted to create something that, um, you know, it was a little bit more fun, um, you know, that was disarming. Way more fun, let's be real. <laughs> <laughs> and we wanted to kind of make the cannabis buying experience as fun as the cannabis consuming experience. And it was, it was kind of like a light bulb moment in our heads where like, why isn't anyone doing this? Like, why was fun being taken out of the equation? And so we wanted to bring that back. And you know, at that time, I think about it, and this was halfway through 2018. So we're putting dates. So before legalization, there was still, you know, from a society perspective, a lot of apprehension against legal weed in general. For sure. And so if we think about how do we move towards that, you know, shift in normalization, how do we become that corner store of any neighborhood? Um, you know, that's, those are kind of like the, the defining um, you know, questions that we were asking ourselves to create Superette, which even from the, from the get-go, like the name itself, yeah, Superette is just another kind of mini market bodega. And so drawing inspiration from that and other nostalgic retail environments, bodegas, delis, diners, to bring that into cannabis is a bit of a dream come true. Yeah, I mean, it really transports you to a new place, this brand experience that you've built. And I always say that the legal market should mirror the legacy market as much as it, as it, it possibly can, but you've taken it into a whole new stratosphere. Like there's no way buying legacy weed was that fun at all. This is a whole new high variety experience. You guys recently won a Clio Design Award for how incredible your brand experience is and how innovative, which is well-deserved. Thank um, you. I honestly thought I knew what to expect when I first came into your space and then it just blew me out of the water. So tell some of our listeners in other countries, because we're in every English speaking country and beyond, 
the vision of what you're building in terms of this idea of a community place and space, why it's resonating so much and why people are finding it so special. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I can't emphasize enough in terms of what we're trying to bring into this space and building that community within our space and having an ambiguous aesthetic and product offering of an actual superette and then adding those physical design inspirations from familiar and nostalgic environments, flower shops, everything from that subway newsstands is inspiration for the at the front end of our Spadina store in, yeah, in there's Toronto. There's like a, a soda soda pop stand. Like it's it's totally. really amazing. Really, we 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 explore those moments to essentially push on everybody's nostalgia button. Oh, you know, there's a diner stool here. Oh, there's a bench here. Oh, there's a vending machine here. You know, those are kind of visual cues that are just innately familiar and a lot mm -hmm. of fun. And so, you know, using those elements to build the actual physical space, but I think it's also curating that vibe as well, which is everything from the music to how the team interacts with you and also having a flow that, you know, gives you as a customer agency on your journey within their stores, journey with cannabis itself. There's a lot to unpack with the plant, especially with all these new products and derivative products that are coming you know, from that. And so I feel like we play a pretty critical role in this industry currently. And I feel like every retailer should feel the same. And if you don't, I don't know why you're here, but our take is always to bring that fun tactile experience back to cannabis. It really is the most important role in the whole situation, not just the bud tender, but how they're sort of trained and the playground they have to work with, because at least in Canada, we're all experiencing this sea of same, right? Like we, it's all the same product and it's really dependent on the vision of the retailer and what they are committed to bringing the community that differentiates an experience, like a weed experience for people right now. Totally. And I think we have a lot of latitude within our physical spaces. I think like we have a lot of fun with merchandising, like we merchandise weed, like food, because I, like you said, packaging itself is so boring. And so how do we serve it up in a way that is more digestible for people or allows them to better assess what they want to buy? How do we give them the information that they need to make that decision so that they feel empowered coming out of the store with a product that they're excited to try? And then I think if we kind of move beyond just that, we have, you know, something that I'm really proud of is the non-cannabis products that we have in store as well, that really honors your daily rituals. Like we want to be that one-stop shop for, you know, the things that you do in your life, which may have weed as part of it or not. And so being able to play around with that has been great and through you know, non brick and mortar retail experiences like delivery now, which we've had the opportunity to have over the last few months because of COVID lockdown to extend what that customer interaction and relationship looked like. Yeah, that must have been an interesting and kind of surprising pivot out of all of this stuff. What you're doing in the community and it's more of like a call to action to our audience and, and saying like, be mindful. And, you know, my hope, my personal hope is because, you know, I'm a bit of a tree hugger. Take that recycling mindset, you know, not just with cannabis, but, you know, all other aspects in your life. And, you know, that element of giving back, you know, that's not a weed thing. That's just like being a good human being thing. 
it ha it's definitely a common thread that runs through the cannabis community. But I also think that it might be a common thread that runs through, I'm going to say our generation because I'm the first millennial technically, <laughs> but is the fact that you are young and new and kind of unjaded from all these other industries is that really what's allowing you to deliver new things to the community and new things to the experience? I feel like it's in your heart and soul and that of your peers to care for the world that we're in and to be thinking about our footprint and tomorrow more than where we came from. I mean, I think we all have an important role to play on this planet. And I don't think it's a coincidence that the newer generation has a bigger emphasis on it because the world is literally changing before our eyes. I think about over the last year in the news of like the Great Barrier Reef to the California fires, the ice caps melting, it's literally changing. And so we don't do anything now. There isn't going to be a future. And so... Uh, I think we're just placing a bigger emphasis on it, but I think the conversation itself is just getting more powerful. We're having the real conversation. I think it's easier without technology to kind of have, hold these thoughts in our heads and not be able to talk about them. But now we have social media, we have different ways. We have like podcasts, we have platforms that we can, you know, share views, share our learnings. And so, you know, I feel like that has really enabled us to, to do more. Our hope is to, to leave a positive impact in everything that we do. Hopefully there are future generations to enjoy what we built. So can you tell me about some of the biggest, I mean, this is another loaded question, but some of the biggest challenges that you came up against as a young woman in this space, we started talking about stigma a little bit. I mean, I'm sure you must have just faced down barrier after barrier after stigma after stigma in the face. I feel like my story is probably not rare, unfortunately, whether it be the aspect of me being a female or being a visible minority or being younger than some of the other people that I interact with. There are challenges to all of that. I think it's difficult for people to not have assumptions. So there are so many assumptions that come with the attributes of who I am with before someone gets to know about more about me, my thought process and the value that I can bring from those aspects. And so, you know, the amount of conversations where I've been overlooked or not taken seriously or walking into a room with a male colleague, for example, and, you know, conversation will be directed at him versus me by virtue of me probably being the only female in the room is, is definitely something that has happened. I think there are other aspects like being a token. Like I think about, um, you know, cannabis loves their speaking opportunities like conferences and panels, which I think is really, really great in, in, in bringing together thought leaders in the space. Sometimes I do question, I'm like, am I a part of a panel because I'm the only Asian or visible minority there or I'm the only female there? And I catch myself asking myself that. I don't know if there's a real answer, if there's any kind of validity to, to those questions, but it's something that, you know, I do internally struggle with. And I feel like that's a function of the society that I've been brought up to, which is that I 
and probably being used as a token. Things like that, I think, are getting better as, as the years go by, as I build my own personal reputation in this space and legitimacy in this space. But I think there's also starting to be kind of the opposite effect as well, which is, oh, you are now a female leader. So we have to put you on this pedestal and you have to be this like perfect human being. You can't make any mistakes. And once you slip up, everyone wants to bring you down. And all, there's, there's a lot of elements. Yeah. Cancel culture, imposter syndrome, all of those things I am assuming are, you know, all of those things I'm assuming can throw you off, throw anyone off their game as they go. But also as a young, I hate to use the word, but you truly are a trailblazer being the one to do it first. It must be hard. Do you actually turn to weed to support you through some of those stresses? I I definitely think that cannabis helps. Yeah. in those situations I mean like also I would say that you know because whether it be from my corporate past leading up to where I am today I've just been facing like non-stop barriers that I've just kind of gotten used to it so I really don't let that get in the way to be honest not anymore I'm, I'm used to it I have a thick skin I can keep going And I also feel like I've really found great people to surround myself with, people who I believe in and they believe in me. And there's a great community in cannabis that, you know, I can lean on as well. And that's something that I think is something that I'm just really grateful for through this entire journey. What weed has really helped in is building that community. You know, I think connecting wavelengths and connecting that energy is so critical in building a business and building something special, weed is like the most beautiful thing. It really is. I mean, it, it, it really does sort of bring us together and help us rise above. And I always say all ships rise. And it's amazing how many people who still consume weed or consume it actually quite frequently still carry stigma with them about the fact that they do or about their behaviors, whether it be their friends judging them or their lovers or their families or even mom to moms in the community and neighbors and things like that. And yet there's so many of us who are visionaries and business owners and caretakers of the community that are thriving. I mean, I really believe that what you're building being so accessible and fun and friendly and forward, you know, and open is bashing stigmas left and right. But what do you think we need to do to keep doing that work? (laughs) I think if we all have a little bit more empathy in our hearts, things will go a long way. And so I, I think about, you know, you know, everything that you said about what we do as Superette and, and being more accessible, you know, and a big element of that is, you know, being empathetic to the environment that we're in and the neighborhoods that we're in and being respectful that there are going to be different schools of thought in terms of whether or not we should be there, whether or not cannabis should be there. And I do truly believe is that if you as a person can take the time to listen to someone else and to hear out their perspectives and not assume that you can convert everyone to your way of thinking, you know, that conversation does go a long way. And slowly but surely, I do believe that cannabis is going to be seen as something that's very normal. It's going to be just, you know, what we all kind of do. And it's not going to be a big deal. And I think it's going to happen within our lifetime. Oh, yeah. I think it's going to happen with me wearing the Superette sweatsuit. 
<laughs> you know? because it really is just about being out there loud and proud and making beautiful things and creating beautiful experiences and bringing that to people which you've been doing from the get-go so you started in ottawa now you're in toronto and like you're popping up all over toronto this is the vision right is to have a high variety super at corner store in every community in every neighborhood yeah, we want to be in every neighborhood, but more importantly than that, we want to be the cornerstone of that neighborhood. We want to build the community around the space. We want to bring people in um, and we want to be a place of connection. And so I like when we open stores and we enter a new neighborhood, I don't want to just stick out like a sore thumb and say like, we're going to do our business and like, don't care about what else is around us. It's really important for me and the team to be well integrated to everything that's around us. And so we go out of our way to say hi to everyone, to meet all the local businesses, to meet with residences, to support those around us because our survival is their survival and vice versa. And our success is their success and their success is our success. And yeah. it's, I think it's really beautiful to be able to, to rise together. And especially I think about over the last year and COVID, us as small businesses in our communities, all we have is each other. And so you know, using that lens, we want to make Superette a longstanding institution after my time, hopefully, yeah, you know, evergreen. decades down the road. Exactly. It's just love always it. going to be there. So I love do that. It. My theory is that weed stores and pet stores are the only stores doing well right now <laughs> in the era of COVID, even though we're seeing in Toronto, we're seeing some blocks where there's three weed stores in a row. So I'm sure that will be interesting. I mean, it's hard to ask you what's next because none of us really know what the next vision of our reality looks like, but what surprised you about this time and what have you kind of learned over the last year that you'll kind of take forward with you? I think over the last year has just been a continuation of a roller coaster. Like since no doubt. We, everyone thinks about like, oh, how this last year has been like so different from all the other years, which I'm going to say like, yes, absolutely. That is true. We've had to go through a lot as a business and a lot of changes. But that's also not to discount the fact that, you know, we've had to change, change course since the time that we began, mm -hmm. like from a regulatory standpoint to how the markets evolved and developed to who we are as a brand, we've never stopped changing. And so over the last year, it's just been like a continuation of that change. It's like, okay, well, we're guess we're doing this, which 12 months ago before COVID, you know, that was the mentality that we have. And so, you know, I'm an entrepreneur at heart. I have no problem continuing to think of new ideas and new ways of doing things. I think that, you know, everyone on our team also has that value on their sleeve. And so that allows us to be really flexible, to move really quickly and to come up with really awesome ways of doing things despite challenging moments. And I think that's been really great. I mean, I really have to throw it to the team. They've continuously proven time and time again that they are my people. <laughs> Um, we have such a great energy around us, you know, with the amount of talent that we have, like anything is possible. And that's another thing cannabis does, I think, is it helps us find our tribe. We sniff each other out a little bit. And there's an acceptance and an empathy going back to what you said, loving people for who they are and bringing your best foot forward, which I love. 
you know, while you were talking, it struck me that you very much are doing exactly what the plant does, which is just adapting to your environment and to changes in your environment and stressors in it, growing with it and growing with the flow. So it's, it's something I hadn't thought of before you said that, that really maybe your background in cannabis and being in this space and in this world prepared you for this in a, in a way that other people maybe weren't prepared for. I mean, some things are meant to be. Yeah. I really totally. do believe that. Divine timing. We don't have to talk about this if you don't want to, but I read in the Gossamer article, wanted to know if you are open to talking about facing stigma from family members. No, we can have that conversation. I mean, I would say relative to a lot of people that I do know, I grew up in quite a conservative upbringing. I mean, I'm very grateful for, for how I was raised and, you know, my place in this world. It instilled a lot of good values in me as a person. I think that with or without cannabis, after I came out of my angsty teenager years um, and through a lot of travel and, and, you know, honestly, just self-discovery, I just learned to push for what I wanted and to find my passions and my desires and really go for it. If it wasn't cannabis, it's probably something else. For lack of better words, I don't really let, you know, my family dictate that or change my course on that. You know, while hopefully one day I can be smoking a job with my mom, you know, that day is a long ways away. I've had more conversations over the years with my family on it. I also respect that they have their own perspective. And I, that's something I have to respect. I think so many people struggle with it. And so as a result, so many people hide it from their families. So it's, it's just amazing to see the assuredness again, coming through in everything that you do, but with respect for the plant and what you need and, and the fact that that's your mission. So you're really an inspiration to a lot of people, to me too. And I'm like so old compared to you. No, not at all. We're <laughs> no, probably the same age. What are no, you talking not. about? We're not. Okay. <laughs> I believe you. My, my Zoom filter is clearly on. Um, <laughs> but we have a lot of women and men and a lot of people who listen, who are intrigued by moving into cannabis as a, as a career. I'm wondering what advice you'd give somebody listening about where to start. I mean, clearly one key piece of advice we can take from you is to trust our guts and our in intuition. Um, but I'm wondering what advice you'd give some of our listeners there. Yeah. Um, I mean, I would say, you know, there, there's a few things that, that the key ones that come to mind is, you know, do your homework is first and foremost, there's a lot of moving pieces in this space. Figure out what exactly you want to bring into this world. Is that growing? Is that branding? Is it retail? Is it building community and a platform? After you find out what that is, really dive deep. Really understand how are you thinking about it differently? How do you want to make something better? At, once you figure that out, that's like half the battle. And now you have yeah. to trust yourself. There's going to be a lot of naysayers. People are going to say, no, that's not going to work or that's not going to be successful or there are too many people doing that. Believe in yourself. You have to be in your own corner because no one else will a lot of the time. And so, you know, that's what's gotten me through a lot of my days. 
those decisions will pan out and you know back to good vibrations i believe in good energy you put good energy out into this world it's going to come right back at you no doubt what's your favorite strain what's your favorite cultivar of all time oh i don't know of all time because i feel like this is one of those like flavor of the month yeah. or flavor forever of the season. changing forever Classics. changing and like, I just really like trying. There's so much out there now. So I'm like someone who focuses a lot on flavor and terpenes. And I think I look for things that are like high in mercy and are caryophylline. Some favorite strains of recent, I would say like Carmel's Drew's Dark Helmet is, is really, really good. Very, I got to try that next. Tasty. Yes, do it after your garlic breath. I saw that. That looks like a good price too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're gonna enjoy it. You're gonna okay. you're gonna really enjoy it. One of my all-time favorite strains is one called Forbidden Fruit. You know, this is something that I I got from my medical grower. Things like that are great. Orange cookies. You know, a few months back was like all I was smoking. That was a that was a good batch. Totally. It's interesting. I think the terpene conversation is definitely next as people start to understand that that's really what's driving us I always say the nose knows and I love that the nose knows and you you can smell something immediately know that you're just not going to have a good time do you think that that is the conversation that's next to come versus this like indica sativa basic narrative and what are you kind of hearing from customers and consumers what kind of questions are they asking you yeah I mean I hope so I, yeah. I really do hope the, hope the conversation goes that way because I think about all the other things that I love, like food and drink. And right. I think about like alcohol beverages. I'm never going to say like, you know, what's going to be the highest alcohol content on this like cocktail list. Like, no, right. it's like, what flavors am I personally gravitated towards? Like, what are the elements and notes that I'm looking for? And so I hope the conversation goes that way. I think that we're only scratching the surface in terms of the actual benefits and effects of the terpenes themselves. And so I personally have, I basically don't refer to the whole Indica Sativa hybrid and I haven't for years. And, you know, I only look for terpenes at this point. So personally speaking, and then, you know, in terms of what people are looking for, I think a big segment of the market is still looking for potency. And so THC content and the price for THC content, which I think is, is a really important in factor. Um, but I do also, again, believe it's not the be all and end all. And so, you know, again, you know, having a more informed consumers equals more informed conversations equals better product purchases and ultimately better experience. That's the future that we're trying to create. So I'm assuming you're a flower girl predominantly in terms of format. Are you seeing anything like cool in terms of trends or what consumers are asking for at store level? Because it's so, it's so interesting to be like where the people are. Are they? I, I think people are definitely still learning, but you know, especially during like lockdown and stay at home, um, know things like pre-rolls and smaller format pre-rolls because you can't just pass around a one gram joint um is is something that we're seeing more and more and it's also like really convenient so that's really interesting to see also just large format flour in general like once right, like buying an ounce. ounce yeah buying an yeah. ounce it's like if you if that's if that's your jam like you know why not just make it more efficient and just buy a whole lot of it 
And I think like for oh, me great. personally, I've fallen in love with uh, making my, my own can of butter and like edibles as well. And so like, I, I love baking like with or, with or without weed. And so that's something that I find really fun. So you're making your own butter and then you're baking with it. Yeah. Okay. I sense it. IG live coming on so we can learn <laughs> so we can learn from you it'll be like a 10 hour long well, yeah exactly a marathon I love that I'm also intrigued by what are they called the patches oh the transdermal patches transdermal patches is that here yet or is that an American um, thing? I think that's still an American thing right now topicals are like creams and lotions yes. I've actually never tried a patch um I'm I'm sure I've heard that it helps with with pain um, in very isolated areas, which I think is just like fascinating from a from a medical perspective. Totally. Um, I mean, I think ultimately I'm just excited to see more niche offerings on the product standpoint. I'm really excited for more niche offerings from a retail standpoint. So I think like something that you said before, which is you know a block right now can have you know three to five stores in the same block. I think that you know under the current system it's, it's probably too much, but I think we get to a point where there can be curated offerings and curated products. Like if someone had, you know, just a bakery that's infused and then right next door is a spa with topicals, you can have five cannabis, you know, concepts on the same block and not be too much. It's a cannabis world. We're just living in it. I mean, I'm dreaming. I am dreaming every single day. I love your dream. Day. I'm going, I'm swimming down your dream with you. Yeah. The last question is always a biggie, but it's important. I'm wondering if you've got any sort of just lasting advice for people today listening. I know it's a lot, but <laughs> you know, whether they're either in cannabis or not, we all are kind of going after a dream or going after something. So in a time where it's especially modern world is hard enough, but in a time where it's especially hard to like source inspiration and source that constant visioning, I'm wondering what advice you'd leave people. I would say be optimistic. I would say be optimistic. And, you know, at some point you do need to shut out that the noise that this world is giving you and take care of your mental space and think about um, you know, the things that light you up and, you know, that give you energy. I think that's really important. How, putting a smile on someone's face um, goes a really long way. Um, having a laugh in the middle of a really, really crunchy day goes a really long way. Giving yourself the, the freedom to just be creative and to do the things that you love is going to mean so much more to you, you know, not just today, but in the long run. So that's all I can really say at this point, because with that, anything is possible. I love that. I honestly, you've put a huge smile on my face today, the minute you said stay optimistic. And I truly believe that that's the essence of your brand and what you're building and the experience and the legacy that you're leaving behind is you're putting smiles on people's faces. You're making people feel better about the choices that they're making. And ultimately you're making people happier. And what fucking amazing work is that? Yeah, let's have some fun. Like, That's amazing. We're here for it. Life is short. Have a little fun. Exactly. 
Thank you, Mimi. This has been such a pleasure. You are a dream and an inspiration and all the things. I can't thank you enough for sharing your story with us today and your insight. Can you please tell everyone where they can find you so they can? Yeah, uh, this, this was honestly awesome and such a highlight of my week. And I'm looking at the date now where we're at the end of February, like this year is going by so fast. So this is definitely a highlight of my month. So thank Thanks. you, News. Thank you. You are the best. Yeah, if you want to follow you know what we're doing at Superat. You can visit us on our website at superatshop.com, join our mailing list and all our social media, Instagram, Twitter at superat underscore shop. This has been such a pleasure. Thank you so much for your work. Change in the face of this place and thank you for <laughs> thank you for doing it on behalf of us all. Oh, I love you. Um, Pleasure is all mine. Back. This Thank is you fun. so much. I had a blast. I have a blast. I mean, I've always like been so intrigued by you and your story and everything you're doing is just, it, it's, I must be hard to sort of see yourself sometimes, you know, and just see the forest through the trees. But I really think that you're creating a very magical thing amongst, you know, this world that we're in and it's fucking amazing. I mean, I still get, like, I feel really weird when I hear that, when, when someone's like, oh, I'm intrigued, or you're doing so much, like, inspirational work, or, like, whatever it is, because for me, I'm just like, I'm just a person doing the best that I can, taking it day by day. You're just doing your thing. <laughs> I'm just I know. doing my thing. <laughs> I'm just a normal person. <laughs> well, you're a pretty magical person. Uh, you know, everyone's here for different things, and some people are here to create the new reality and and you're fucking doing it thanks for listening check us out on insta at high life like us and subscribe on apple podcasts spotify soundcloud and all the other things join our invite list and holla at your girl by visiting high life.